if you if you play sport, if you play basketball or football, the odds of you continuing that into your adult life are slim to none. You'll go play your four years of college, but not all of us are making it into the NFL. The skills that you learn in debate are lifelong skills. At speech and debate award ceremonies across the nation, the one-clap rule was established to expedite the process of awards, to show appreciation to students who earned a trip to the final stage, but avoid long blocks of applause for dozens of students. The one-clap is both efficient and infectious. It is a unifier, a celebration of student success, and a moment of in-sync speech and debate community. Welcome to One Clap, a speech and debate podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Wiley. Let's get started. Greetings and salutations, friends. Lyle here, and you're listening to the One Clap Podcast, a pod for speech and debate coaches and competitors from Wyoming or anywhere. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, if you've been enjoying the pod and you want to help out, a little thing that you could do to assist in getting the pod out there is just to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You know, these reviews and ratings will help the pod get some momentum. And, you know, the bottom line is there will be more listeners to have a chance to hear all the smart folks that guest on the show who share inspirational stories about speech and debate and knowledge about events. So that's just one small thing that you could do to try to help out if you'd like to. The smart person on the show today is another old friend of mine. Zach Bernson is currently attending school at Southern Virginia University in Buena Vista. He is working towards a bachelor's in history and wants to get his master's eventually. Zach goes way back with me. Zach and I started our speech and debate journey at the same time back in 2014. He was a new student to speech and debate and I was a new coach and we started our team at Torrington High School with a small but mighty group. And even though we were new, we were working hard to compete and learn, and Zach and I were spending like every waking moment together too, not just because of speech and debate, but uh, he was also the student editor-in-chief in the newspaper that I just inherited teaching and producing at THS as well. And so Zach and I were wading through a whole lot of new waters together. And, you know, after two great years of competition and team program building at THS with me, Zach came back to help coach debate while he was attending and competing at Eastern Wyoming College in Torrington. Zach had a good run coaching debate with Haley Lozy Reyes, where, uh, you know, these two assistant coaches helped me build a foundation for helping students learn and compete in debates that I've kind of carried with me for a really long time. So Zach and I had you know, a nostalgic conversation, including some fun nuggets about my coaching ignorance at the beginning of our run at THS. And we also had a nice discussion about Lincoln Douglas debate, Zach's experience with competition and coaching. And we reminisced about all of the different kinds of food that we devoured at tournaments along the way. It was a lot of pizza. Anyway, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Zach Bernson. Hi, Zach. It's good to talk to you, man. Oh, it's always good to talk to you, Lyle. <laughs> so, Zachary, on a scale of 1 to 10, how nerdy are you? First uh, 10 out of 10. Everything. What did we watch? This semester alone, all of the Harry Potters, all of the Lord of the Rings, every canon piece of Star Wars content. Wow. Okay, so we've got another 10 out of 10 on the nerd scale. So you're still, you've watched all the Star Wars content, all of it? All of the movies, uh, the Clone Wars TV show, and me and my fiance were working through Rebels. 
Uh, cool. Did you see The Mandalorian by chance? Yes, I did. I really enjoyed The Mandalorian. I, I liked most of The Mandalorian. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Tell me, okay, so and you and I go way back with this stuff. So I know a little bit about your origins for speech and debate. But, you know, explain to everybody else how you got involved in speech and debate. What's your speech and debate story? Uh, you came to me one day. Just uh, out of the blue, junior year, we spent a lot of time together between newspaper and just hanging out the homeroom when I was attending homeroom, which was sporadically. Um, and you said you were looking to revitalize the speech and debate team and you needed, you just needed bodies to start out, just needed as many people as you could get to just be part of the program. Um, and so we kicked off and we started looking to do events and stuff and I wrote my first LD case, went to our first meet, saw a little bit of success there. And then that next week, me and Skyler started CX, and then it was just debate from there. That's where all my time went. Yeah, I know that uh, you also did some some poetry. That was mm. something dear and near and dear to your heart. Uh, Doctor Seuss really Dr. performed Seuss. it. <laughs> like, it was ah, it was bad. fire. It was good. Did uh, it do well? No, no. <laughs> that one judge gave me a seven when there were five people in the room. So great memories, though. Great memories. Great memories. <laughs> I was thinking back to the, the Laramie tournament. Do you remember at the Laramie tournament? So we didn't really know what we were doing. I didn't mm-hmm. know what I was doing. Uh, you probably knew more than I knew what you were doing, but you didn't know what you were doing either. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember talking to one of the coaches out <laughs> in the cafeteria after your round. And they're like, hey, um, you might want to consider having like a value and a value criteria <laughs> like that sort of conversation where and we're like wait a minute a what, what? Like, a what? what, is what? Value? excuse me <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> although you still did pretty well at that tournament without i think i took really... third yeah oh. yeah it was uh it's it a great memory uh, skylar was in the same boat right too she was doing ld yeah. and she yeah. had no we hadn't we'd constructed the cases all wrong we had no idea what we were doing definitely good times that that continued me and skylar like third place at districts with a policy case that was basically just an essay about water pollution. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. No structured arguments. None of the the standard, none of the stock CX issues. (laughs) No, I mean, I don't even think we really knew the jargon uh, at all throughout the entire season. Uh, Mm. Yeah. But you guys, you did great. So uh, I think I can take credit as a coach. (laughs) Probably probably not. Uh, So you did LD a little bit, did CX, did poetry, did duo with Bree. Those were my four high school ones. In college, I did IPDA, uh, extemporary speaking and impromptu. Mm -hmm. And that's when you Uh, were at EWC when you were also coaching at Torrington. mm Mm-hmm. I got the opportunity to coach with you for a couple of years in Torrington. That was super fun too. At the same time that Haley was there and basically you and Haley were coaching the debaters, which mm-hmm. is in a lot of ways, how I learned how to coach debate was mm-hmm. watching you guys wade through the waters of how to coach debate. So mm-hmm. uh, I owe a huge debt of gratitude to you too. <laughs> well, you started us off in the right direction. So by showing up that's true Um, so what do you what did you like best about competing and then also about coaching competition it i guess this is something that i've grown to appreciate more like outside of it but i am infinitely a better speaker a better public speaker a better a better preparer and a gatherer of information than i ever would have been if i hadn't done debate 
I can write a, like I can find the information and write like a five page essay for any of my history classes in like two hours because I know exactly how to find the information I need and I know the best ways to present it. Yeah, debate, I think almost maybe more than anything that a student can do in high school in any activity it prepares you for what college is, you know, asking you to do mm -hmm. almost specifically. So yeah, and it's time management too. It's just, it's like, yeah, you can hammer that stuff out so quickly. Mm -hmm. It's just those three basic ones of time management, resource gathering, presentation. It's huge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's one of the things that you've gotten from this activity mm -hmm. that, that you carry with you. What did you, what'd you like most about it though? Like, when you were competing? It was probably a tie between meeting new people. I still have lots of people that I communicate through like social media and, and just occasionally send a text sometimes that I met on the debate circuit and just that sense of competition. It was something, it's such an, like, uh, it's a way more personal kind of experience that you can have with your high school sports or high school activities, extracurriculars than anything else. It's not a team against team, even though they add up team, team points at the end. In your event, it's you and your opponent. Uh, for people that aren't athletes or that don't go that direction, I mean, you, you were, you're an athlete, but a different kind of athlete that didn't always have things provided at the school mm -hmm. that you would have done competitively. For people that don't have that, um, it's really nice to have that outlet, I think. What about coaching? What did, you, what did you really like about coaching? Seeing my students succeed in any way that was, even if it wasn't taken first in a round or something, if it was improvement from the last week and they recognized that they were doing better, that was the most rewarding experience from that. Yeah, and it is, it is something, isn't it, to watch someone who comes in that has so little base knowledge about, well, what they're doing at all. And when they work hard, they see, you see results. And the mm -hmm. results are, I mean, they're, they're so visibly obvious. It's, it's really I, neat to watch as a coach. I think of Arone taking was it second or third? He placed pretty high being placed in a varsity extemp round on accident. And him, <laughs> that, that was the moment that it like clicked in his head. It's like, this is something I can do. It's like, this is what we've been telling you for weeks now, Aron. So moments like that are really what did it for me. That's a, it's a really great example. And Aron is someone that I'd love to talk to. That it would yeah. be a very entertaining conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit specifically about Lincoln Douglas debate right now in the state of Wyoming. You might not be totally aware of this, but it's Lincoln Douglas debate is very healthy policy debate. And even a public forum debate, the two partner debates are mm -hmm. a little down right now. I, it's, I think public forum still has pretty solid numbers, but Lincoln Douglas is flourishing. Like mm -hmm. there are many, many people doing LD, which I think has a lot to do with the fear of partnership and how mm -hmm. hard it is to find somebody that'll stay with you. And you've experienced this, like having a partner who then totally fails uh, mm -hmm. is a, is a terrible feeling. And I think that there's a lot of people that are debating in LD because they don't want to experience that or they did experience that. But so why do you think Lincoln Douglas though is so appealing to debaters and to students in general? I think the two things are what we just talked about is that it's, it's all on you. Um, your teammates can help you, your teammates and your coaches can help you prepare for the debate, but when you're in there, it's on your shoulders to do well. Um, and so I think that not having to rely on another person makes it a lot easier for students to kind of latch onto it. Uh, Cause you don't have to worry about a partner bailing you out. You don't have to worry about maybe like picking up the slack or worrying about being a detriment to your partner. 
So if um, you have like confidence issues at all, uh, like worries about holding someone else back or whatever, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. It's just you. Um, and I think the other thing is more than PF and CX, it's about issues. You can, because it's such a, an interpersonal debate and it deals so much more with like moral evidence than statistical evidence. You have an opportunity to really express your ideas. If you were going to try to recruit some students for LD or even just one specifically, what, what, what's your go-to in terms of trying to, trying to sell it? What's, what do you tell them is great about Lincoln Douglas? Um, probably that, that one-on-one kind of format gives you an opportunity to not only prove to your opponent how good you are to prove to your opponent and your judges, but also kind of prove to yourself that this is something that you can be good at and something that you can learn to improve on is that it's, it teaches those, those three main skills that we talked about that we talked about, I think better than the other debate formats because it's all on you. Um, So I think of all of the debate formats, it's the one that prepares you most for future endeavors. That's a, that's a really cool point. I, I think there's also, uh, if you have people that have sort of some fear of the conflict part of debate, mm-hmm. uh, Lincoln Douglas doesn't have a whole lot of direct sort of contact mm-hmm. at all. There's mm-hmm. only two CX timeframes. They're short. I think you can kind of sell it as, Hey, listen, you speak, they speak. You can kind of keep it distant from the person if you mm-hmm. want to. Yeah. A lot less arguing about why your opponent's argument is bad and why yours is good. I think that's, you get to emphasize your points a lot more in LD than you do in the other two debate formats. So we've talked a lot about, a lot about the positives. What do you think are some of the bigger challenges in Lincoln Douglas? Sometimes it can be hard to find evidence kind of in both ways. Sometimes you, you don't want to rely, especially in LD, you don't want to rely too much on like a statistical analysis or evidence like that because the emphasis should be on your moral arguments, but sometimes you have this argument that you think is really good, but you can't find evidence to support that idea. And while your opinions on it might be really intelligent and really in, insightful, having that evidence is very important. Empirical evidence is a tricky, it's a tricky place in Lincoln mm-hmm. Douglas debate. It's kind of interesting because it really comes down to the judge, right? So. Mm-hmm. And, and I think judges, especially judges without a lot of experience, are pretty swayed by empirics. So we're seeing that a lot in, in LD where, and, and I'm not going to disparage people that bring empirical evidence into any debate. I think that that's, that can be strong. And that's kind of what you're talking about, I think, too, is that the ability to weigh how much to use empirics in Lincoln-Douglas when you have these short speaking periods and how to integrate it into this highly philosophical sort of mm-hmm. framework that you might build. Your- yeah, and, and not, using, not using that empirical evidence as your argument. Right, Like yes. Such and such, this percent of people believe this. Okay, why does that support your argument? Not that evidence is your argument. I, I would argue that that's maybe the place where a lot of our LDR struggle is links, mm-hmm. linking their contentions, their empirical evidence to the framework that they build at the beginning of their case with their value and their criteria and how they're measuring that value. The, the, link, the links are a place where I think you can win a lot of debates. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's one of the, it's one of the ways that people kind of go off track is like focusing on those empirics instead of like focusing on how that actually integrates into their whole case. Yeah, exactly. 
I, yeah, I agree with that totally. As a coach, like how can, how can we figure out entry points and ways to really help students when they start Lincoln-Douglas debate and, and then when they kind of get it figured out how they can kind of push themselves to the next level? So, I think it's, it's like we were just talking about um, like how links are so important and then what you're supposed to be linking to. I think evidence on, or emphasis on the value and the value criterion is stuff that you should absolutely push first even more than any of the argumentation, any of the evidence, anything like that is why do you think your value is important and what does your criterion do to prove that your value is important? So you, you, uh, you, you push back to foundational understanding how the structure, how the framework of Lincoln Douglas works Mm -hmm. from the value, your core, your sort of like the foundation of your building kind of, and start there and then work your way up. Yeah, you know, exactly. there's there's some coaches that kind of that almost do it kind of backwards. They kind of introduce kids. This is kind of what we did when we started because yeah. <laughs> we didn't really know uh, what those what the value what... even what that meant. Uh, so we kind of had we were pushing out like reasons, just contentions mm-hmm. with some empirics attached to it, I'm sure. But we were just basically like, well, what are some reasons for arguing against this idea or for this resolution? And I do think that in order to be a really successful Lincoln Douglas debater, you have to have a pretty good understanding of how these core values, this value that you, you lead with in your debate that you mm-hmm. build around how that actually plays into all of the different arguments that you make in your case. So, and I would say even moreover on that is like, as a, I guess, as a more like advancement on, on that question on like the fundamentals is understanding how to make your value stronger through a better criterion through like a measurable one. And then using that evidence to prove those metrics that your criterion is trying to prove. So spending a little bit of time at the front end of this, of the structure of your case to really mm-hmm. solidify your value and your VC mm-hmm. can, can do wonders. So one of the things that we were trying to do, I, I remember we were trying to just instill to all just like a comfort level with just basic debate maybe even before you start with the value and the VC, just getting students comfortable with the structure of arguments. Um, Don't have your, your argument and your opponent's argument just be two passing ships, like find ways to, to have your two arguments interact and have yours come out on top. Yeah. Clash. Mm-hmm. I think that was another thing that happened in some of our early debates. When you started, we weren't clashing with people <laughs> like at all. <laughs> uh, it was a, a very weird dynamic of either zero clash or too much clash. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Good times. Ah, the best. <laughs> Trial and error. <laughs> Trial and error all the way through. Mm-hmm. What did you, uh, what'd you really like about coaching LD? Because you did get to coach a lot of LD with uh, mm-hmm. Torrington, especially with Cali Fermanac, who was an extremely strong Lincoln Douglas debater. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I think LD puts you in a really interesting position to do deep resolutional analysis of like, what is this resolution trying to tell you? And what are you, what are you saying that's important about this resolution? Um, and I really think that came to light in Callie's hate speech one, where we identified like just how much the resolution changed if constitution wasn't capitalized. Um, so kind of th- that's a little bit further down the line of like really getting into Lincoln Douglas debate. But I think bottom line, the resolutions of Lincoln Douglas are the most fun to argue. And so coaching that and seeing 
my debaters come up with ideas on their own and how these ideas really affect them personally and then like society as a whole is what really really drew me to lincoln douglas yeah i think that the 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 resolution day like the day that you pull out the new resolution mm-hmm. and you just toss it on the board and you just talk about all the different entry points to this resolution mm-hmm. and you talk about all the different possible affirmative and negative stances that you can take and just basic arguments against and for this resolution and then value sort of foundational ideas that you could try to try to bring in those discussions are i think they're my favorite part of mm-hmm. coaching speech and debate like it analysis of a resolution is so fun we call it case day here and mm-hmm. it's it's almost like it's almost like a celebration it's like are we gonna do case day today you know it's like yes, so something fun. new let's do it yeah yes we love case day and i think that that's one of the things about ld i mean pf they they do get to have case day monthly mm-hmm. you know it's because it changes over more often but there's something about ld uh pf it's it's so basic you're looking at contention arguments mm-hmm. lincoln douglas and obviously the, the really good pfers they built you know frameworks for their cases as well but uh lincoln douglas you have to think framework you have to mm-hmm. decide how you're going to do all the entry points to these resolutions and i think it's just so fun there's just so many different moving pieces <laughs> yeah yeah and on that too um i what i like about kind of that kind of case day idea of throwing out ideas is that in a debate format that is not as much based on empirical evidence, there really aren't any bad ideas. If you can throw one out there that's crazy, that's off the wall, but you can find justification in your argument to be able to make that, then go ahead, stick with it. It's awesome. Um, And I don't think that's something that you can do in some of the other formats where you need to have those empirics, where there actually are bad ideas because you can't justify those with evidence. That's a really, it's a great point. You can go in some really wacky, fun, creative directions with your cases in Lincoln Douglas. And especially because philosophy can be such a big part of what, of the direction you take, you can really go in some deep, strange ways um, that, that actually work. Sometimes mm-hmm. they, it really works mm-hmm. um, without even really being like, you know how in in CX and policy sometimes you might introduce some cases that are just you're just trying to catch people off guard. Mm-hmm. In Lincoln Douglas, it's not even so much for that. It's you can actually you can present a case that's weird, but it actually works. It works. does what you're trying to do. It's not just novel. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's true. We we actually ran a case that involved aliens this year. Uh, <laughs> it may have been a little bit novel, but it was fun. <laughs> but it's fun. That's the point. <laughs> yes, yes. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Absolutely. What about uh, so we we did have a pretty darn pretty darn solid Lincoln Douglas debater the year that you were helping out. Uh, so how did we? So so after we got Callie pretty comfortable with building cases, arguing cases. What, what, what were some of the things that we were doing that were helping her win more debates? Cause she, she, I mean, and, and she's a very smart, talented in, um, individual in general, but like, what were some of the things we were doing to push her to the next level? Cause she did make a pretty big leap pretty quickly. Um, I think we practiced very heavily with Cali links. The arguments that you're presenting are great, but how do those arguments pertain to your value criterion and your value? And Callie clicked onto that so fast. 
I think too with her, her cases became extremely tight, which has a lot mm-hmm. to do with her ability to 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 make those links. Mm-hmm. But she she had cases that she understood extremely well mm-hmm. and had thought through all the all the different parts. I think a lot of a lot of competitors do this do this like basic build where they have a brief and they pull contentions from this brief and they sort of mix and match these contentions with these different kinds of you know frameworks. And it doesn't always make sense. It's sort of a oh. hodgepodge of all these different ideas just sort of tossed in. And I, it's, it's the one that I still talk about the most is this kid standing up there and he, he's talking about, this one was technically a PF one, but it was on recreational handguns. And the kid gets up there and he's talking about the Treaty of Versilis. And I'm like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And then so at the end, I ask him to see his case and it's the Treaty of Versailles. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't make mistakes like that. You have to really truly understand the material you're presenting or your judge isn't going to understand it either. Yeah. If you pull stuff that's just randomly from other people and that's the kind of thing that happens, right? You don't just understand vocabulary. You, you, you don't know what the, the frame of reference is for the stuff mm-hmm. that you're pulling. Um, could be the tightest stuff in the world, but if you don't understand it, how are you going to debate it? Yeah. How are you going to, how are you going to make your judge understand it? Yeah, exactly. So is there anything else you want to add about LD? Just do good research. Read the room. If, if you present your case exactly how it is every time, you're not doing it right. You should be able to think on the fly and really read your judge and understand how they're going to interpret your case. I guess being prepared for whatever it is that you have to do to win your judge. Could Whether be empirics. A, uh, yeah. Always ask for your judge's paradigms. They'll, if they don't know what that word is and they're a lay judge, then make sure you present it to them as such. If they have a lot of experience, if they're looking for stuff like that, then just understand what your judge is looking for and they'd be able to adjust on the fly. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's one of the, the biggest uh, things that people can learn from speech and debate in general is just being able to win somebody, uh, mm-hmm. figuring out what it is that they're after figuring out what that they're what they're looking for whether it's mm-hmm. a professor someone who's hiring for a job people that are that that want to possibly put money into something that you're you're pitching for an investment business or any of those kinds of things like how do you convince the person sitting across from you to like think about possibly giving you the w exactly mm-hmm. yep reading the room is hard too mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing it's it's a really difficult skill to learn absolutely so like let's use that to sort of think about speech and debate in general and what you think, what, I mean, what, what would you like to share about your personal experience with speech and debate? How do you think it's helped you? Uh, what, how, what do you think about in terms of its value for students? Like we talked about earlier, if you, if you play sport, if you play basketball or football, the odds of you continuing that into your adult life are slim to none. You'll go play your four years at college, but not all of us are making it into the NFL. The skills that you learn in debate are lifelong skills. That you're going to use basically whatever you do. Exactly. Whether like if you're, if your life ambitions are to be a cashier at McDonald's, you will never stumble on your words asking, asking what they want to order. And if your ambitions are to be the president of the United States, then you're going to be a dang good speaker when you're the president of the United States. And you can win people over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
uh, definitely and and maybe even link some of your arguments to the actual sort of thing that's being argued exactly. something that a lot of our politicians aren't super great at aren't super good at <laughs> no they're not a lot of promises not a lot of action <laughs> it's true so you i get into those... politics zach uh a lot lately with lillian being a a politics major we we do a lot of politics together <laughs> i kind of always wondered if you'd run for office you sort of seem like the kind of guy who might go that direction well i the one thing that's actually going to draw me into being a politician is a promise i made to ryan mcmanaman that if he ever runs for president i'll be his campaign manager but... it seems like there's a chance that that could happen so <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll uh, find out <laughs> that was supposed to be a dumb joke and now i'm worried about it so yeah, i would be worried too <laughs> you might be going to dc so, so what, what, when you were competing and coaching and the, the works, what was the best go-to speech and debate snack at tournaments, either from the rooms that, you know, the, the hospitality room set up for coaches and um, judges, or in terms of what you would snack on when you were a competitor, what's the best? I would snack on as a competitor, uh, those gallon jugs of uh, Hawaiian punch fruit punch because you can you got it all day long it tastes good if it's warm it tastes good if it's cold you can take it on multiple days and you can just you have it all the time that you need it what about food zach like uh i know you're not a big eater of, but <laughs> <laughs> we ate lots of oranges i remember we'd go to walmart and we'd buy a bag of cuties and that was about all we could afford so that's what we used to eat we did eat a lot of a lot of cuties. It's true. <laughs> uh, as a coach, it got better because a lot more food is provided for you. As a coach, uh, lots of homemade chilies, which is good. I appreciate that. As a competitor, we always had our go-to fast food restaurant in whatever city we were in. That's how we did it. It was the best. We ate a ton of pizza. Uh, oh, we ate so much pizza. It we was ate terrible. too much pizza. I know. We ate too much it, pizza. It was so cheap. Um. <laughs> uh, but all you debaters out there listening, breakfast of champions, you wake up, you drink orange juice, you eat a banana, and you eat a Snickers bar. You cover all your major food groups that are important for brain health in that little, in that little breakfast right there. That's a pro tip. Definitely a pro tip. <laughs> so uh, we talked about this a little bit before we started the talking about all these other stuff we've been talking about, but what, what is life like for you right now with the coronavirus lockdown? You doing okay? Uh, yeah, a little rough. Uh, my fiance is on the other side of the country and we're plugging along like everything's going to be all right, but we're having to make some quick adjustments to plans and stuff. Um, online school is the worst, especially yeah. as, a, as a college student. Boy, howdy, is it hard to find the motivation to get on <laughs> And do some work sometimes with so much distractions around. But me and Lily played Pokemon for eight hours yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you really did find your soulmate. Yes, wow. I did. She's the best. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you very much, Zach, for coming on and talking to me. Anytime. I really Always happy to. You. <laughs> I will definitely talk to you again sometime soon if you're up for it. And we'll, we'll discuss some of the other things that you've been involved in. Anyway. Heck yeah. Thank you again to Zach Burnson for coming on the pod, for sharing his ideas, and for being there as a patient competitor when I was a new coach, and as an intelligent and helpful colleague, and as a thoughtful and kind friend. 
You know, I hope that everyone is hanging tough and staying safe out there. I've been working hard to create some new episodes of the One Clap Pod. You'll probably notice that the pod is evolving a bit as we go, which I think is a good thing. I have a bunch of exciting plans to provide more skills-based content to assist competitors and coaches in the not-so-distant future, so stay tuned. And in the meantime, I have more interviews with brilliant coaches and competitors coming your way. If you have any ideas, questions, or thoughts about what we could explore on the pod, please reach out on social media or email me at lylewiley at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please be safe, be kind, and be generous on those speaker points for the One Clap Podcast.